Welcome to the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. Here you will find powerful messages from our ministry founder and president, Patrick Baker. You will also hear interviews and testimonies, all designed to encourage God's people to come higher in Christ Jesus and experience true power in Him. Join us every week on our prayer line every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. and Tuesday and Friday nights at 7.30 and 9 p.m. respectively. All times are Eastern Standard Time. And now, without further ado, sit back and enjoy the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. God is good. Um, I think if we're alive at this very moment, there's nothing else to do but to praise God because, you know, this year has been interesting, to put it mildly. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you came to prove your love of me. Voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude and all that I am. And ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be. To God 
And can you imagine even beyond this that we can be transported one day, you know, here on earth we're transported in our earthly and, and finite minds to what it means to be in the presence of God, that one day we will have unbroken fellowship with God. We will be in the very presence of God. Now, it's amazing and truly a privilege that we can experience His presence here and now. But, 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 but that presence, I mean, I mean, we can experience, I'd like to say that, that we probably just uh, catch a glimpse, just a, a small percentage of his presence. But when he shall come and we will be with him, we will experience the fullness of his presence, his abiding presence. But what is beautiful is that we can start experiencing that now because God's presence is everywhere. And it is not limited. So I'm so glad that his presence goes before us and after us. And it is because of his presence, the protection of his presence, and the healing of his presence, and the power of his presence, why you and I are still alive right now. Why, why you and I are still in the land of the living. Why you and I are protected. Why you and I can still praise him. because. He ever lives to make intercession for you and I. And so what a almighty and loving God we serve. I'm so grateful to be with you this evening and for the next few moments. I want to turn your attention to the word of God. We are living in a world where we read the headlines uh, that cases of this COVID-19 are ever increasing. We see governments that are preparing to lock down and and in, invoke measures, emergency measures that are, again, restricting uh, the rights and freedoms and liberties of many people around the world. We are living truly at the end of the end of time to see before our very eyes the implications of what could surely bring in what is described in the prophetic pages of God's word, this new world order, but we thank God that he is coming indeed to usher in, they, as the world thinks, a new world order according to their agenda, but God's divine agenda also includes a new world order. And that is what you and I are re re preparing for each day as we see the day approaching. And so I take your attention now. I summon your attention by the grace of God to the word, the living word found in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Will you please turn your Bibles with me there? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. You perhaps know this all familiar passage, one that we have heard, we have read, we have studied, we have reflected upon, you've heard preached before, but it bears uh, repetition and worthy of being spoken again. In the year of that King Uzziah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. I'm going to read that one more time. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes with me for a moment. Please close your eyes just where you are. You are listening with your ears open, but with your eyes closed. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I want to speak to you tonight for the next few moments on the subject, who are you looking at? Who are you looking at? Let's pray together just one more time. And so go, God of our salvation, great is your name, and greatly to be praised. We pause to say thank you, O Lord, for sparing on worthy lives, Lord, to see another sacred day of rest and gladness, Lord, as we have entered, Lord, into that rest, Lord, upon these sacred hours. We ask now that you will take our eyes off earthly things and, Lord, turn our gaze upward and heavenward even now. And may we, like Isaiah, declare, I saw the Lord, Lord, amidst everything that is around us that we are seeing, Lord, that is discouraging and that is, oh, Lord, causing us, oh, Lord, to be concerned and even worried. I pray this evening that we will catch a glimpse of your glory and see you high and lifted up is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, what a powerful passage of Scripture, brothers and sisters. I, I, I can't uh, begin to imagine as I, was, as I was preparing this evening and as I was doing my devotional, the Lord quickened me. The Lord quickened me. I, I, I was... I was tired from a long week. I was fatigued, and, and, and I was feeling like falling asleep. But when I opened the Word and I read this, it is as if the Spirit of God just came upon me and quickened my mind and just a surge of energy just passing through my body like a current of, or, or like electricity just just surging through my body like a surge capacity. And I wanted to say praise Peter God, when I read this verse and this passage of scripture, here we find King Uzziah. He died, and it was a time where this king was uh, considered to be a good king. And uh, eventually, though, he would be replaced by the wicked king Ahaz. And this chapter, uh, the first five chapters, describe the early life of Isaiah and the condition of God's people that had transgressed and had rebelled and they had become, you know, stubborn and disobedient to God. And so God was preparing Isaiah and he was calling him out to be his prophet. And so in this chapter six, the sixth chapter of his life, Isaiah receives a calling from the Lord. But before he receives his calling, God had to change his perspective. God had to change his vision. God had to change his view because he had come to the call before discouraged. He had come to the call realizing that it was so enormous, so great. The condition was so bad. The situation was terrible. It was a, a very uh, 
difficult. It was a disastrous situation, so to speak. And so God called Isaiah amidst the current conditions that were spiraling out of control. Spirituality of, of Israel was so low that they had apostatized. It was a terrible situation to be in. And so here we find God calling Isaiah. And as the call goes out, he first gives him a vision. Brothers and sisters, my listening friends this evening, I want to let you know that it's so important that we have an experience like Isaiah. Even in this first verse of this chapter, that, that when Isaiah looked up, he could declare, I saw the Lord. Now, something happens to us when you and I see the Lord. There is no way that when you and I see the Lord, we are left the same way that we once were before. There is no way when we see the Lord that we remain in our true conditions. And we're going to continue to read the following verses to describe the experience of Isaiah, what happened to him, and what it led him to do, to declare, to confess, and then what happened to him after. So, so he first says, I saw the Lord. Now, something happens. It, it changes the whole complexion. The whole outlook changes now when you see the Lord. Now, you might be seeing the circumstances in your life that are discouraging and depressing. You might be going through a, a very difficult family situation, a marriage problem where perhaps your children have left home. Maybe you're being under the attack and the onslaught of the evil one, but I just want to encourage you today. I just stop by BTC this evening, the phone line, just to let somebody know that they just need to look up a little bit higher and see the Lord. And when you begin to see the Lord, something is going to change in your life. Can I get a witness this evening? Now, now, now. Isaiah describes that when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. And with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, now, hold on for a moment. Stick a pin there. I need us to understand something that, that, that Isaiah just did not see an ordinary angel. Uh, what we understand based on Scripture and the further description we find in Hebrews about the ministry of angels is that uh, throughout Scriptures we find that there are different types of angels. There is an angelic order. There are certain angels that are assigned specific divine tasks. Understand something. I, re I recall in Revelation 7, there are four angels that are divinely commissioned to hold back the winds of strife. Their only purpose is to hold back the four corners of the earth's 
One angel of God is assigned to the north, another is assigned to the south, another assigned to the west and east, and they have God's divine instructions to hold back the winds of strife to the servants of God are sealed in their foreheads. Understand something, that they're not distracted by multiple assignments. They receive one assignment from God, and they fulfill that to its maximum, with maximum obedience. So there are different angels, understand. There are guardian angels that we are told in Scripture. There are the covering cherub, and, and then we have the seraphim, which as is described and denoted with six wings. Now, this is amazing. This is fascinating. It is interesting that the seraphims in this context are found in the very holy presence in the grandeur glory of God because they can cover themselves because they're in the presence of almighty and holy God. And then watch this now. They open their mouths and they cry, Holy. Now, they repeat it more than once. Now, now it is understood that in Hebrew, when you say holy once, it, it refers to something that might be, uh, there is some sacredness or sanctity to attach to it. But when you repeat it more than once, and in this context, they repeat holy holy, holy, it actually describes someone who is most holy, that someone who is unique and the presence of someone that is unlike any other being. That's the reason why for we get the repetitive, the three-time uh, expression of holy, holy, holy. Three times it indicates the, it, it, it indicates the intensity of the holiness of God to the highest level. In other words, what the angels were saying is that the holiness of God is indescribable to, to, to human language. Uh, a pen cannot write it, and, and lips cannot, ex tongue cannot express how holy God is. God is high and lifted up. And thus the song of the, the seraphim, is, is a constant refrain that God is holy. There is this transcendence of God that is indescribable, that he is perfect in his mercy, and he still yet reaches down to take care of you and I. The Bible says that the whole earth is full of his glory. In other words, the Hebrew actually tells us that the fullness of all the earth is his glory. We know that the glory of God is everywhere. Although sin might be increasing and evil is waxing stronger in the world, I just want to remind somebody that this is still our Father's world. He has not left it. He has not abandoned it. He has not left it to utter destruction, obliteration, or annihilation, for God will intervene at the appointed time. Evil may prosper for a season, but this is still God's world because he owns it, because he says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, declared the psalmist David. Somebody ought to say amen. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. Verse 4 says, 
and the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Understand something? If even the doorposts of the heavenly temple shook in response to God's holiness, how much more will the whole earth shake when our Lord returns, when God's presence comes back in fullness? Can you imagine? Can you just visualize it with me, brothers and sisters, my, my listening friends? It is, it is amazing. Here, we find Isaiah. His, his, his senses are so stupefied. He is in wonderment and he's baffled and bewildered. And, and it's so interesting that when he sees the Lord, he also sees something else in contrast. Because I want to tell somebody here today that Isaiah is having a worship experience. Amen. I believe when we come together on Friday evening and when we meet on Sabbath morning, we are worshiping God. We come to worship God. That's what it's all about. Isaiah is now having a worship experience with God. And in other, in other words, the only way to have a fulfilling and a satisfying and a complete worship experience is to see the Lord. If you don't see the Lord high and lifted up, if we and I can't see the Lord clearly and transparently and completely, we've missed the true essence of worship. Can I get a witness up in here this evening? So something happens to Isaiah. This is very intense. You see, he is now captivated and 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 his his, his whole mind is captured and captivated by a sight he's never seen before. He's ushered and transported into glory. I want to have that experience each day by the grace of God. So help me, God. How about you? But well, watch this now. Watch this now that as Isaiah sees something he's never seen before, he also sees something within himself that makes him come to a stark realization of his true condition. We find in verse 5, he says, So I said, Woe, woe, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. I am I am so as I read this, I recognize my own true condition. I recognize my own sinfulness. I say after catching just a glimpse of glory and seeing the Lord high and lifted up recognizes his true condition. He sees the exceeding ugliness and, and horrific effects of sin. Sin, his true condition, that iniquity that abounds. He sees that unrighteousness. He who later declares in, in, in the same book that he wrote, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
he can declare that later because he first sees it within himself. He experiences what it means to truly come in repentance and penitence and true confession before the holy, almighty, and holy God. And so as he falls on his knees, as it were, as an act of worship, in prayer, in submission, he comes to his own stark realization and makes a soul confession that he is unclean and undone. And you know what? That's the true condition of you and I. That's my true condition. And when we come to God, we must come with that sense of recognizing how high and lifted up how holy God is and how unworthy we are. As he comes, he probably falls on his face, on his knees, recognizing how great our God is. We sing that song, how great is our God, but do we really understand how great is our God? We sing, how great thou art, and it's a powerful and wonderful hymn, but do we understand how truly, how great God, our God, really is. And as he comes to this realization, it's almost at the point of despair. It's almost at the point of uh, desperation, as it were. He realizes that, that, that his lips were the only ones not giving God the praise that he deserved after hearing after hearing the seraphims, after hearing the seraphims give their praise and catching a glimpse of how they worship God, he, he realized that his worship paled in comparison. The praises on his lips were faint and foul. And, and when I think about my own praise, how weak it is, how much more I need to truly praise God for who he is in my life. How about you, my brothers and sisters, this evening? How about you this evening? Isaiah realizes not only the plight of the people of God, but he realizes his own plight, his own true condition. And, and, and he's not, he thought he was praising God, but when he heard the angels praise God, he said, this is, this is not right. I thought I was praising God but when he heard the angels praising God, he got to bow in submission, submission and surrender. You know, the truth is, no one in our present, no one in our, nobody in our present state, in our condition, is capable of standing in the presence of a holy and righteous and perfect God. That's why he had to declare that he is uh, the Lord of hosts, he declares in verse 5, For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Praise be to God. Amen and hallelujah. Even David had to declare in Psalm 24, the King of glory, he is the Lord of hosts. And so Isaiah had not, he had only seen earthly kings, but this time he saw the king who will never die. He saw a king who is forever sitting on the throne, the king of the universe. And so something begins to change. Something begins to change in his heart. Something is changing his perspective. You see, before, 
he was looking all around us and he was all around him and he was discouraged and getting defeated and depressed. But but this this new vision that he caught, this new upward look that he never had before now begins to change his perspective. You see, brothers and sisters, when when you wake up in the morning, can you and I say I saw the Lord amidst this COVID nineteen pandemic? Can we say I saw the Lord when when the world seems to be falling apart and collapsing? Can we say I saw the Lord when 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 the when fear is filling hearts and overcoming people? Can we say I saw the Lord when 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 uncertainty fills our world and hearts and uncertainty of the future and the unknown, can we say, I saw the Lord, when things seem to be crumbling and even falling apart in our lives, can we say, I saw the Lord, when we are being instructed to lock down, can we still look up and say, I saw the Lord? That is the question. That is the question. We've got to still be able to see the Lord in the midst of the storm, even when the disciples were on the boat on the Sea of Galilee, they forgot that the Lord was on board. Sometimes when we are in a storm, we forget that the very one who created the universe and the entire world is on board. It was amazing, and I don't want to go off on another story, but sometimes we forget that the very one who is able to Calm and the very one who is able to heal and the very one who is able to deliver and the very one who is able to make a way is right there, but we forget that he's right there, near to us, close to us. We've got to look up again. We've got to look up in a world that people are now cowering with fear amidst the deep darkness that is enshrouding this world just before Jesus comes, you and I need to look up and see the Lord high and lifted up and let the glory of the Lord radiate and enlighten your life and your circle and your home and your family and wherever you go that we can still be in the light of his presence in the midst of darkness. So we find something amazing now. I, I, I just love what's happening here in the Word. Something is happening. Uh, you know, as, as he recognizes the feebleness of his praise in contrast to the fervent praises of, of the seraphim angels, he falls in humility. You know, the Bible says, the, honor, the, the wise man says, before honor is humility. You see, he had for a time being the privilege of appreciating and catching a glimpse of the purity of God's exalted character. And in the light of this matchless radiance that made manifest all he could bear in the revelation of the divine character and holiness of God was his own inward defilement that stood out before him with Startling clearness, and when we see the Lord, we see our true condition, and then it either leads us to do one or two things. 
we fall at the feet of Jesus and we recognize that without him we can do nothing or we somehow cover it up like fig leaves, like the Garden of Eden and we, we put in a cloak of righteousness because we want to cover up our shame and, and our nakedness. But the best part is the first part, the former part, that we come to recognize how great God is and come in humble submission and surrender and recognize who he is and fall at his feet and worship him and cry with the angels of God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So when God's servant Isaiah was permitted to behold the glory of the God of heaven as he unveiled, as his own humanity was revealed, he realizes a slight degree, in a slight degree, the purity of the Holy One of Israel. He now makes a startling confession of the pollution of his own soul rather than boast proudly of his own holiness in deep humiliation he exclaims woe is me i am undone because i am a man of unclean lips now understand something this is not this is not some volunteer you know like pretentious humility there's some people who uh somehow they're able to portray and display this uh self you know servile self-reproach uh, appearing to be humble. This, this is a mockery of what true, true humility is because it masquerades the true condition of a person's heart that's actually filled with pride and, and full of self and selfishness. There are many people who kind of, kind of hide this behind the cloak of, of, of or a semblance of goodness because they have not been under conviction. But here is the difference that Isaiah was under conviction and his humility was genuine. How could he go and serve God and speak to the people of God's holy messages if he himself was not sanctified and consecrated? You know, in these last days, my brothers and sisters, we need experience the holiness of God like never before because it will not only transform us, it will not only keep us uh, close to God, but it will help to empower our witness of who God really is because His holiness, God's holiness is really His character. It is a revelation of His true character. Holiness is unto the Lord. Holiness, his character of love, it's so powerful that it is able to transform somebody when they come into his presence. So, I got some good news as I, I land the plane in a few moments here. In the midst of recognizing his own unworthiness and the ugliness of sin, I love what God does. I, I just love it. God does not leave us in our, in our condition uh, to wallow and to languish. I, I love God's grace and mercy. He's such an amazing God that when we recognize our true condition and we realize that we deserve to be cut off and that we deserve not to live because we are so sinful, yet 
in his mercy. God does something for Isaiah, and that's what God does for us. Watch it now. It says in verse 6, then, then, then one of the seraphim, praise be to God, flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Somebody ought to say amen. God does not leave us in our sinful condition, but he makes provision for you and I because his grace is greater than all our sins. And so he sends an angel, and, and, and in Isaiah's condition where he felt that this was it, that it was over, that he was going to die, God now, now sends an angel, one of those powerful messengers of God to touch his lips with a life called from heaven. Somebody, how many of you want to have a touch with a life call from heaven. I wish, I wish, I pray, Lord, touch my lips and life with a life call from heaven. Touch my lips with a life call and my life with a life, life call of heaven to heal me, to deliver me, to restore me, to to take my sins away. God wants to touch somebody here today with a living coal from off the altar of heaven. And when he touches you, and you can experience that touch every day, every day you and I can experience that live touch with a call, that live call from the altar of heaven, that live call when we are touched with that live call, it will burn away sin, it will deliver us from sin, it will set us free, it will heal us, it will empower us, it will enable us, it will equip us with a live call from off the altar of heaven, then, 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 the enemy cannot come in and discourage you. He cannot come in and accuse you because you've been touched with a live coal from off the altar of heaven. Praise be to God. I want that live touch today. How about you, my brothers and sisters? I want to praise God that he does not leave us in our sinful condition, but he touches our lips. He takes away our iniquity and he purges us from sin, just like the Bible says that if we, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody ought to say Amen. What a Almighty God we serve. And then, finally, it gets better than this. When God, when we see God high and lifted up, number one. Number two, when we see our true condition. And number three, when God has made ample provision to deal with our true condition and he now sets us free. Number four, the last thing we've got to do, the only thing we ought to do, the response that it should elicit from us is that not because now we've been purged and we've been cleansed, that we forget about the worship experience and, and who God is and who he is uh, to us and how he's high and lifted up, but our true response should be. This should awaken the response as Isaiah now declares in verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. 
there is God, what God wants to do for you after he's touched you, after he's blessed you, after you've seen the Lord, after he's healed you, after he's delivering you and has delivered you and will continue to. Now we need to go and say and declare to the Lord, here am I, send me. He wants you to be a living witness, a living letter, to be his representative, to testify of his goodness, to heal you, and to testify of his goodness, to save you. So my question is, who are you looking at? Stop looking at the things around you. Stop looking and listening to the voices that is discouraging you and defeating you. Stop listening to the doubt. Stop listening to the enemy. Stop looking at the enemy. Stop looking at the things around that's happening in this world. And I want to ask you to look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draws nigh, and may we be able to say and to declare with Isaiah, when we meet with God, I saw the Lord, because that changes everything. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, and be gracious unto you, and give you peace, both now and forevermore, in the almighty name of the Father, and the almighty name of the only begotten Son. And in the almighty name of the Holy Spirit, that every child of God say, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bun to Christ Ministries podcast. We hope that you were blessed. Feel free to visit our website at buntochrist.com for more content and information. Also, feel free to contact us at buntochrist70 at gmail.com with your prayer requests or any questions you may have. May God richly bless you, and we'll see you next time.